it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Julio Rodriguez, and this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Lookout Landing Podcast. My name is Kate Prusser. I am the managing editor of Lookout Landing. I am thrilled to be back. Uh, Well, semi-thrilled. Having been in Arizona for the past week and a half, watching some spring training action, watching some backfields action, but I'm back, baby, and I am ready to talk with my co-editor, man about town, large human, giant her heart. John Troopin. John, how are you tonight? I'm doing all right. I'm a little under the weather. But, you are, uh, which is why I'm doing the talking. Indeed. So I will I will be taking a little backseat. Yes, uh, I know you're all used to uh, John's sonorous voice <laughs> kicking off our podcast. <laughs> but uh, once you'll, you'll, you'll get me riled up with some, some take of an or another, I'm sure, and I'll just blow out some eardrums. But uh, until then, uh, hanging back here. All right. Well, excellent. Glad to have you with us, even in a diminished state. Also joining us, as usual, is staff writer Matthew Roberson. Matthew, how are you? I'm doing good. I don't have the same troubles as John health-wise, although I did eat like a child today. There's like (laughs) ice cream and nachos fighting a war in my stomach right now. (laughs) 
That is bad, but I did interpret that as I ate like a child, like comma a child initially, which was I would say more disconcerting. Oh, you meant you uh, thought he ate an actual human child? Yeah, or a child's worth of food, maybe. I did, I did both, to be honest. <laughs> But the, the ice cream and nachos were recent, and that's a bad combination. Where were for a you to eat stomach. ice cream and nachos? Because that sounds like ballpark food. That's straight up ballpark food. Right. But there was two separate locations. The ice cream was no, out of bed. Never and go with ice cream to a second location. <laughs> well, I, didn't, I didn't bring the ice cream. I no, ate ice cream. That's a 30 rock joke for those of you who don't get it. Right. Okay. Listen, I ate the ice cream like a normal person. And then I was on my way home, and my friend was like, oh, meet us at this bar. Uh, we're just hanging out. I completely forgot it was St. Patrick's Day. So I walked oh. into Yeah, I walked into a, a terrifying situation. But <laughs> they already had nachos on the table, so I was like, all right, I'll stick around. And then I ate nachos, and that on top of the ice cream is creating a bit of a situation, but I think I should be able <laughs> to get through it. I'll I'll power through heroically. (laughs) All right. So as the lone uh, healthy member of the podcast, I will uh, I will take it upon myself to sally forth where my compatriots weak, (laughs) weak constitutions have failed them. Despite the fact well, I've recovered, I was in the Arizona sun. I got a sunburn on day one like a rookie. I was so embarrassed. It was really bad, too. Like. I just sat out on the berm and I thought I had put enough sunscreen on, but here's where they get you. However much sunscreen you think you put on and you think it's enough, it's never enough. Always put on more to the point where you're like, well, this is a ridiculous excess. No, that's the only way to survive in Arizona. I forgot this cardinal rule. I was uh, deeply shamed. I had to walk around with my face feeling all tight and red and ugh, embarrassing for the next week. But I made it out alive. I made it out of the valley, uh, which is a, a weird place in its own right. And we're here to talk about uh, what's going on. So, uh, you know, whenever you're like away from home, things are kind of weird. Your your internal clock is weird. I always wake up way earlier on vacation than I do in kind of a normal day. Um, so I just like bound out of bed in the mornings and then be super tired at night and it's screwing with me now but also not helping is this weird schedule that we have with these Tokyo exhibition games exhibition games slash the I guess opener uh, which doesn't really feel like the opener we usually do a lot of stuff on the site that's like kind of leading up to opening day but we're gonna push that until the actual home opener we're not gonna do that stuff uh, leading up to the Tokyo series because it just it, it the games count like technically they count but it doesn't feel to me like they count how does it feel to you guys personally I'm thrilled about it because I think <laughs> all right I just think it's the perfect like weirdness to kick off what's gonna be a weird season anyway like you're right oh, about oh it my not- god yes it is the imitative fallacy but not a fallacy like it might be cool yeah I think I know what you mean <laughs> <laughs> okay sorry. I just feel like the thing about it not counting is spot on. And I also kind of feel that way about this entire season. (laughs) All of it. Like, obviously it counts, but, like, not in the way of, like, we need to, like, push for the playoffs, like, the past four years. It's like it counts in a different way 
that the last ones count. So that's why I think the Tokyo series is a very fitting way to start because we can kind of like just do it and it doesn't feel like it's going to have any impact, which is kind of, I think, a statement about like the whole season. Like getting a full season of like Tim Beckham doesn't feel like it should count the <laughs> same way the season of like a normal like tenured shortstop would. Yes, yes. It's a weird way to kick off what will probably be a weird season. And it feels like it's kind of low stakes because for me, like the exhibition games and the games against the A's are kind of blurring together, even though I know that like they're both very different and one is going to feature two teams trying their absolute hardest. But it didn't feel to me like during the exhibition game, people weren't trying like that felt like real baseball to me. Did, did you guys watch it? Did you guys feel similarly? Absolutely. I mean, it definitely was, you know, it matters for different reasons, right? For everyone, for everyone individually, even if the team's composition maybe isn't conducive to the games mattering as a whole, right? You know, you have younger guys or guys who are trying to bounce back, like Domingo Santana and, um, you know, guys who are, like Vogelbach and Healy, um, and then you have older guys or veterans who <laughs> are trying to get either, you know, bounce back or trying to get somewhere more competitive via uh, good play. You know, guys like Jay Bruce and Edwin Encarnacion. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's it should be pretty competitive in that regard. Hunter Strickland is another one. Um, I mean, it, there's a lot individually for each person to play for but I think it's it's going to require both the team to you know focus that motivation and not have it just be a selfish group I guess which it doesn't really seem like uh, like this bunch so far but uh, it, you definitely have different motivations and, and that's going to be it's going to be more challenging than we've seen in the past few years to stay focused and motivated in that same way yeah yeah, I will also say, somewhat selfishly, I'm very excited to write a recap of a game that happens in the middle of the night, just to see, <laughs> to see what my brain will produce for a game that also, like, it fits perfectly into, like, none of this is going to feel real. Like, being up at that hour anyway is going to feel yes. like the Twilight Zone, and then having to watch a game. Like, I feel like at least six times during the game, I'm going to have to remind myself, like, this is a regular season game. This all counts a lot. Not a lot, but like much more than the the games that happened like earlier this week where it's the same stadium, but now it's like, okay, this actually matters in the standings. And I guess for the A's, like it could be the difference between a playoff spot and not a playoff spot, which is hilarious. Like these games matter a lot in the like grand scheme of things, whereas for the Mariners it's like, Yeah, we'll go to Tokyo, let's play some games. <laughs> <laughs> and I get I mean, to, they'll be on ESPN. Like the Mariners are never on ESPN. Yeah, they have, <laughs> they have to be on at three a.m. to be sure. on ESPN. Sure, that's that's a great point. I'm just also like my roommate uh, wakes up like way before me for work, and the, like the image of him waking up and like walking out to the living room to see me <laughs> surrounded like, by pa- potato chip bags. And like <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I honestly have thought about this. Like, do I make a full breakfast? Like, <laughs> I'm definitely going to be, like, mainlining coffee just to stay awake. yeah. I think, just to give the readers a little sneak peek, I think it's probably going to be, like, some sort of, like, running diary. Like, 3.36 a.m., like, (laughs) 
<laughs> fourth cup of coffee, Jay Bruce strikes out. Like something like that. Well, it'll be yeah. way funnier than that, but that's kind yeah. of the vibe I'm going for. Yeah, I mean, just a diary from the middle of the night because so few of us are actually awake. I mean, I've definitely kind of, as a writer, pushed through all-nighters for to hit deadlines or whatever. Um, you know, I think it's a little bit like we're kind of used to a different life than a lot of other people. But, oh my gosh, back when I was a teacher, like I was in bed by 11 o'clock every night, like. I can't imagine how I would have ever tried to follow a baseball game at 3 a.m. So this is what we mean when we talk about service journalism. We we are here for you in the middle of the night, literally. Yes. Laud us. We are very important. <laughs> yes. Please, please give us some laudation. Um, it's going to be wild to see the sun come up during a baseball <laughs> game. Be really fun. Matthew, I'm going to stay up. I will stay up with you. Like, I will I will be your DM pal. Okay, you know, great. if you want to make the recap out of, like, our our DM conversation or whatever, we can we can do that. Okay. Um, I'm definitely not going to sleep. I'm going to no. stay up. Till, I was thinking about, like, getting, like, a 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. nap in, but that doesn't seem like that <laughs> A disco nap? A baseball yeah. disco nap. Yeah, like uh, a 70s rock star or something. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, we have a question, speaking of kind of the broadcast and everything, um, we have a question from William Lofton at WLoft96, who asks, is there any part of the Japanese broadcast that you would like implemented into the broadcast done in the States? For me personally, it's the constant pitch tracker. So we've watched the exhibition game, like we kind of got an idea. I had watched oh back during the oh, the dark days of the Shohei Otani pursuit. I watched a lot of fighters games at night. Again, writer life. Um, so I'm a little bit familiar with how the Japanese broadcast goes and what Japanese baseball looks like, at least from an outside perspective. Um, but it it seems like they've they've introduced some new things. I'm I'm really into the ump cam, for example. That we had a nice shot of Hanniger's home run, which is all over Twitter if you want to look for it. Um, from the viewpoint of like literally right behind the ball, I think that's awesome. I think like stop worrying about pace of play, Manfred, and think about things like this. Like think about really cool alternate angles, like like an ump cam, um, because. For me, I, I think that's a really fresh, fun, awesome um, angle to look at baseball from. And I would love to see that on our broadcasts. Yeah, I'm glad you brought Rob Manfred into this because I think <laughs> always, I always. think he's the one who like really needs to be watching the Tokyo games from like a improvement standpoint. Like yep. I hope he's not just watching for the baseball and like thinking that just the literal fact of a regular season game in Tokyo means Well, I think that would be thing. hard for him because I, I genuinely believe he does not like baseball. So Oh, I agree. That's a great point. Yeah. yeah. He strikes me as a I'll Actually watch the hates first baseball. Yeah, he strikes me as a I'll watch the first 3 innings and then network for the rest of the game kind yeah. of guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think the main thing this isn't broadcast related, but like the the atmosphere and like the chanting and all of the like sort of stuff in the stands that happens in these Tokyo games, that should be, like, just taken and brought to America. Not the people, obviously. Do not kidnap Japanese people. 
Matthew, oh Matthew's man, hungry. please, Deadspin, Deadspin, do not get a hold of this. <laughs> SB Nation writer advocates mass kidnapping of the Japanese. No, I said I don't want that to happen. Don't. Listen, I, this audio could be cut very convincingly. So indeed, and I will. I will cut this no. very no, convincingly. Everyone. <laughs> Anyone who knows me knows I'm very anti-kidnapping. It's one of my main things. So, obviously, no, I don't want them to steal the Japanese people and put them in right center field at Safeco. That is bad. But the ideas that they bring forward are very useful. Yes. And I think would improve Major League Baseball. Yeah, it's like the Maple Grove, but kind of dialed up to 11, right? Like, the Maple Grove had chants. These people have legit songs. There's a whole band. Yeah. They got, uh, yeah. They've got a band, yeah, which which would be a challenge because I'm pretty sure um, most stadiums, <laughs> not the A's, but most stadiums ban you bringing in um, musical instruments. But you but, have, they've got it in Cleveland, but maybe no, they yeah, finally have gotten rid of that, which, yeah, but... Uh, I think that guy in Cleveland was, like, grandfathered in. Like, they just yeah. let him <laughs> bringing his drum because it's tradition, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always a good reason to do things. Um, <laughs> y- yeah, I do, I do think, though, like, so I was talking to, <clears throat> this is not the first time I'm going to drop this, so just Flex. be forewarned. I watched a game with Julio Rodriguez uh, at spring training. It was sort of the last three or so innings. Um, but it was awesome. It was it was great to sit with him and kind of. It's how we got our podcast. It is how new, we got our our new podcast, our new podcast intro. intro. Yes, I asked him to do that. He was super gracious about it. Um, he did make me type it out on my phone screen so he could study it, so he could like get it exactly right. Because that's the kind of person Julio is. Like he does not ever half-ass anything ever. Um, but I asked him, like, how is baseball in the Dominican different from baseball here? And he's like, oh, in the States, it's like a job. Like, it's so quiet. And in the Dominican, similar to how it is in NPV, like, there's not necessarily the singing, but there's chanting, there's noise, there's there's activity during the at-bats, like, between the at-bats, all of that, like the fans are constantly kind of talking to or interacting with the players on the field and they're interacting back, you know, with the bat flips and Julio says the bat flips are not about disrespecting anyone. It's about celebrating an achievement. And the person on the other end knows that you're not disrespecting them. Like they know that in this moment you got the better of them and you won and you deserve that bat flip and they don't see it as disrespectful here that's something that westerners have totally westerners um that's something that people here in the u.s have totally laid on top of that um this idea of respect and playing the game right so i feel like if we can get away from these ideas of what respecting the game means we can embrace and again, it's odd to me that like singing and chanting is respecting the game, but bat flips aren't um, because they both seem to be ways to just celebrate the joy at the heart of baseball. And I feel like anything we can do to encourage fans to do that here is going to make baseball more vibrant, more exciting, more something that appeals to kids and 
maybe starts to make baseball more relevant. What was it, ESPN that just did the top 100 athletes of any sport, and there was one baseball player, and it was Harper, and he made the list at 99? Yeah. Like, that's, that's exactly what it was. That's that's super wrong. Like, baseball is one of the four major sports. It should not be represented by one player at number 99. And I agree. Like, I think Bryce Harper is a way brighter star than Mike Trout. The league should stop pushing Trout forward and trying to, like, make him into something he's really not and lean into these other young, fun players. Javi Baez should have been on that list. Like, Javi Baez is fun to watch. Yeah. And we need to start celebrating those people more um, and just get rid of these cultural notions about respecting the game because it's not how the you, – I don't think you could necessarily look at Japanese baseball and say that they're disrespecting the game, but – they are noisy. They are making noise. They're singing. They're chanting. They're involved in every pitch. Like, and if you want to model for, like, what respect and honor looks like, eh, we're all on the same page here, of course. But it's just frustrating to me to see baseball so mismarketed today because, like, all these changes... Um, we haven't really covered what the Atlantic League changes are going to look like here on the podcast. I don't think we've talked about that. Have we talked about that? I don't think so. Okay, so the Atlantic League is is an indie league, and it's basically going to be like a proving ground for changes that they might want to bring to MLB. And while I was at spring training, I talked a little to Zach Grotz, who is... Um, somebody I, who is not really on my radar totally, but he's very nice and he's very happy to be with the Mariners. He was with the Mets previously. Um, he had only great things to say about like the Mariners and how they have let him kind of be who he is, but also showed him analytics and, um, su- made suggestions that he feels like are going to make him a more effective pitcher. So that's great to hear on, like, a player development side. But also, he had been in the Atlantic League for the past couple years before the Mets picked him up. And he was like, I just feel really bad for all those guys who are basically going to be playing a different game. And they're trying to keep their major league dreams alive or their professional baseball dreams alive. But how can you do that when you're actually playing a different game? Because they're pushing the mound back. And I don't know. It's just... Like, let's stop messing with those parts of the game and, like, let's start looking more internationally, too. Baseball is huge in a lot of Latin American countries. Baseball is huge in Japan. Like, what is it that braids it into the fabric of their society that isn't here? Right. I just want to say on the, like, respecting the game conversation, it's always sort of tripped me up that, like, Baseball seems more focused on, like, respecting this, like, non-entity of the game more than its actual players who are human beings. Like, when you get mad at a player for flipping their bat, that seems like disrespecting that player who wasn't trying to disrespect anyone in the first place or anything. Like, I don't know how you disrespect the entity of baseball by hitting a home run. 
that seems like a dope move for baseball as a whole. Like when Yasiel Puig get that home run in the World Series last year, that should have been like a great move for baseball. Yeah. And then within like 10 minutes, it was a conversation about how he is like the worst possible thing that could have happened. Like by some people, I obviously don't think this, but like there was the whole conversation that it was like, oh, on such a grand stage like this, you have to act professional. It's like, no, you, why? Like, what's the reasoning behind that other than trying to like appease a bunch of literal dead people? Like, it doesn't matter what the 1910 Red Sox would think about (laughs) today's game. Like, they're completely washed. And what should matter is what's going on with these players who are fun and likable, who are in their 20s and going to be stars forever. We should respect them and what they want to do rather than right. worrying about if they're maybe disrespecting this like abstract concept of the game which also i think leads into the question of like what is professional what does what does act professional mean because for that means act like a u.s baseball player and not like a player from cuba or a player from the dominican or a player from Japan like act like what our preconceived notion of what a baseball player is so all of that is frustrating I'm really hoping oh and speaking of like um, if you want to talk about respect like let's start by respecting our players by paying them a living minor league wage which is really exciting news out of the Blue Jays organization they're going to bump minor league pay by about 50%, which is seems <laughs> nuts. Imagine if your boss was like, I'm giving you a 50% pay raise. <laughs> Crazy. Especially uh, if your job was to play baseball. I'd be like, all yo, right, cool, yeah. sign me up. Yeah, you're just playing a kid's game. No, seriously, though, like, that's part of the problem here is, is – um, uh, anyone involved in baseball, and actually you even see this in, like, um, in front offices, like, unfortunately there was a quote from one of our own front office members who's in analytics on one of the hot stove shows or whatever it was about how, like, oh, well, the great thing is that we can get people out of these top colleges, these great minds, and essentially pay them an intern salary like, we don't have to worry about matching Google because they want to work in baseball. And I was like, yeah, that's a great idea, but, like, <laughs> that's good for you, but that's not something that should be something that you brag about. Like, I know that most major league clubs are not on the same level of income as Google or whatever, but, like, don't brag about how you get to underpay people because they enjoy what they do so much. Like... The fact that baseball is a joy and it's fun to play and it's fun to watch and it's fun to it's fun for us to write about like none of that should be justification for underpaying people. Anyway, yeah, let's talk about the actual yeah. baseball that's <laughs> going on before we get ourselves in trouble. Yeah, before we get ourselves into too much trouble. Um, Kate, you have a wealth of knowledge, I'm sure, to report back to us um, just being one of the people on the ground and not only at spring training but on the backfields like you mentioned where I'm sure you were one of like two people who was there to monitor the actual occurrences going on because those are notorious games where they like send the kids or people that they're kind of hiding and for you to be there I feel like 
opens up a lot of uh, questions for us to ask you. Yes. So, yes. I I have plenty to report slash talk about from those ends. I mean, there's one that just says, how do you think the starting pitching will fare? Ah, yes. Uh, at Torbita. Uh, how do you think the starting pitching will fare this year? I think it will fare badly. Next question. Sorted. All right, cool. <laughs> Luke Spooks says, who is the most obscure name on the 40 man who has a shot? And that is actually one that I want to talk to talk about. And one that I think maybe bridges a little bit, this conversation between the big league team and like what's going on in the state of baseball and kind of more the, the prospect talk, the spring training talk. Um, because I think that Malik Smith's injury made a huge opportunity for Braden Bishop. I don't... I mean, I guess obscure name on the 40 who has a shot. Like, that could be it's, anything. Yeah, it's a weird question because I think to most people, like, Dylan Moore is a very obscure name. But, like, right. we've kind of been monitoring him since he joined the organization. And we realized that there's a spot for him as a utility man. I mean, he's like, if makes a shot, or if has a shot, just means makes the team, I think it's probably Dylan Moore. I don't think he's going to be, like, yeah. good. Like, I don't think he's going to be, like, a guy who's around in three years, but I will I mean, say he's going to get person, some at-bats. In person, he's alarmingly small. Like, he's just so small. His waist is very narrow. And it makes me, I'm like, where does your power come from, Dylan Moore? Like, where is your where's your base where's your core I, I guess it makes him a good defender but he's just he's very slight very slight dude to look at in person i could always pick him out because in um like when they were taking batting practice and people would be like who's that who's that i would look for the most narrow-waisted human and i was like that one is dylan moore uh who is the most obscure name on the 40 man who has a shot i I don't think Braden Bishop is an obscure name, but I think that that is going to be my choice because I think as far as the Malik Smith injury goes, we still don't know how he's doing. Um, and also, like, Braden has succeeded at all the highest levels that he's been at. Um, he didn't have a full year in A, but he was kind of crushing it. He hasn't played any AAA, but he's played well in spring training against basically AAA pitchers. I think that there's a real chance that Braden Bishop comes up at some point or at many points during this season, and and we see a lot of him. John, what do you think? Um, in terms of the the actual sort of position players, I think you guys put it pretty pretty well and that there's not really much that's <laughs> going to be obscure um i think bullpen wise you could see something from uh <laughs> i mean it could it doesn't get too much more uninteresting than a lefty reliever but zach roscup has looked really good and zach roscup has always had um sort of interesting peripherals he just has gotten hurt basically every year yeah. <laughs> of his career um he boy has to which be on should the be roster. a great year to have a director of high performance <laughs> uh, no oh no Ooh. um he 
he's a guy who has to be on the roster or else they have to release him uh, like much of the bullpen, essentially. Um, or I guess they have to at least expose him to waivers. And they, um, but they don't Where really he would have... probably get claimed because he's looked really good. He's looked solid and, and, you know, teams will go for decent relief pitchers. And who are left-handed. Exactly. Um, you know, the three batter minimum isn't here yet. Um, and if a team needs a lefty reliever uh, at, at the mid-season point, I think he's one of the guys who, as long as he's healthy, could, you know, bring back uh, just, you know, a little a little bit of extra return uh, and should be a solid, solid pitcher this year for them um, as long as he's healthy. So that's not a very exciting answer, I know, but <clears throat> there, <laughs> there's uh, the only other option I can think of is Ricardo Sanchez, and I think we're not going to see him on the Major League roster this year. Um, but I honestly, I didn't even see him pitch in spring training, like, at all. Uh, he had, like, one or two appearances that I remember, but pretty brief. Um and I, I think they're doing probably a lot more like mechanical stuff with him that they may want to work more long term uh, or, or sort of more of a long long arc with him um, since he's I think going to be the only person on the forty man that'll be in double A. I want to say that's true. Um, maybe one of the pitchers, but I don't. I think that's I think that's correct. No, I think that's right. Yeah. So. So that'll be good. Um, but, yeah, the the obscure folks are probably the guys just off the 40-man. Guys like Tim Lopes and, I don't know, Austin Nola. <laughs> we probably <laughs> will see at Chris, some point. Christopher Negron, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Now that he's cleared waivers and made it exactly. through. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think that those are... If you want to like go for the obscure names on the, <laughs> well, you could go you could go very deep. I'm just yeah. thinking of like people who have a decent shot at uh, cracking the the team at some point. This I think year Brandon Brennan is a Brendan Brennan Brendan Brennan Brendan Brennan Brendan Brendan. Yeah, it's one of the. I just Brandon throw Brandon. syllables together. Brennan Brennan. It's better yeah. to say it fast. Yeah, Brennan Brennan. Brennan Yeah, then they don't. Um, <laughs> He's not looked great to me this spring training, but uh, they have to keep him, and, like, right. why not, really, until yeah. somebody from AA, like, pitches, out-pitches him, essentially. And honestly, if you want to get into that, um, and maybe transition to prospect talk a little, David Please. McKay has been, which our own Ben Thone wrote yeah. a pretty excellent article on how they changed McKay's arm slot a little bit since mm -hmm. he came over as one of the four Royals relievers. They were like, we don't have room for these guys. So basically each one cost a quarter. And uh, at that, they have had two pretty useful ones in mm -hmm. Matt Tenuta, who is a big lefty, uh, who's had some good showings this spring. Mm -hmm. And David McKay, who was at the Arizona Fall League this past year, uh, mm. they've they've lowered his arm slot, and they've just his, all his pitches have jumped basically. Yeah. Um, he's only he's still twenty three. I guess yeah. he'll be twenty four in well, a mm. week or two, but still he's under twenty. Young guy, young guy. Yeah, yeah. still basically young. Um, very like analytics friendly, like very open to whatever they want to do to help him. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, he, he, I would say if you want to go for like an obscure name, not on the 40 man, but adjacent, uh, someone who could maybe make like that Matt Festa ish leap, which I guess Matt Festa is just like part of the bullpen now. Right. Um, probably, although he's got an option, which means I think he might start the year in triple A just so they can get some of the veterans, uh, going. Just some, sh- some showtime so they can then parade them away. I mean, well, that's yeah. the. I mean, that's sort of the issue. Is like their bullpen. Probably the best relievers in it are Strickland, Armstrong, Altavilla, and Vesta. Um, and Garen right has been has showed some stuff. Sh- yeah, it's fair. Um, but like Garen, Armstrong, Roscup, Rowenis, Rumbelo, yeah. Strickland, Brennan, all of them have to be on the major league roster or else they, you know, have are subject to waivers or in Brendan's case being returned. So you, you, you kinda have seven spots locked in, essentially, you know? Yeah. And um And why waste bullets on Festa's arm really? Like why waste major league bullets on Festa's arm when you could kind of hide him in triple A and <laughs> Yeah, there'll be later. plenty of there'll be plenty of innings, I suspect, as as the yeah. year goes on. So I will yeah. say that there's a difference in Matt Festa that I have uh, viewed from past this past year to this year. Um, last year, Matt Festa was a kid up from Double A who was very like wide eyed, kind of, and like I'm not sure I belong here. And um, it was very similar to Braden Bishop when he went through his first major league camp like just all all eyes and ears and um i've seen so much growth this year out of Braden bishop in that in just the dugout and the way that he kind of he's still super humble and he still knows he's there to like listen but he's also kind of a leader it feels like in the dugout like guys cluster around him and um, he just seems to exude much more confidence. And I get the same thing off of Festa. Like, once you have been to the major leagues and you've, like, survived for a little while, it just gives you kind of this badge. And I think Festa has that. It's just a little extra boost to his confidence. It's like, I'm a major... Festa is carrying himself like a major leaguer now. Um, and that's the difference. More so than I think anyone else who's kind of a fringe bubble guy, like... I think Matt Festa believes in himself as a major leaguer, and I think he is a major leaguer. Yeah, Kate, that uh, that bleeds nicely into a question that I wanted to ask you, and someone on Twitter um, asked us. Comes from Jordan at Mormon Pizza Man. That's an excellent handle. <laughs> yeah, we love that. Uh, they want to know of the prospects you saw who seemed the most put together and confident in their game. And then also, which of the bounce-back candidates would you choose to have a successful season? So I guess you kind of touched on that with Festa, but I'm curious specifically about guys who probably won't be in the majors this year, who you thought were maybe carrying themselves like major leaguers, or at least seemed like advanced for their age or their level or anything like that. I mean, I want to reach deeper here, but it's just like Julio and Jared just have to come to mind here. Like, the two of them just drip confidence they are super super yeah put together confident like at home they've kind of picked each other out as like this is this is the other guy who is as good as I am and um 
yeah, it's it's the, to me the two of them just totally stand out. The confidence with which they play, even when another when a pitcher gets the better of them, they kind of have this ability to shake it off. They go into everything knowing that they have a plan. They're going to execute their plan. I don't really see either of them looking lost at the plate either. And this is like from watching them in the major league games against guys who are, you know, Julio, he struck out twice in that game at Camelback against the Dodgers. He was facing two guys who were 25, both of whom had FIPs of like two something the previous season. So, and you know, he just, he didn't let that get him down. He was like, well, they got the better of me today. They won't get the better of me next time. So um, I mean, the two, the two, the levels of confidence there, like, I would love to give this to somebody else. And I'm sure that there were, there were other people who showed up with a ton of confidence. I was impressed with Cal Raleigh, who I don't know that he necessarily like exudes confidence, but I thought he looked really competent in every situation they put him in. They put him with the high A team, which is, which would be a super aggressive assignment for somebody who had like 150 plate appearances in high A last year or in um, short season in Everett last year. But I think he can handle it. Um, yeah, that was, that was, those, those were, it's just impossible. It's impossible not to say Julio and Jared for that. I think a couple that stood out, at least from just watching on TV and, has been pretty well covered, but Shed Long looked like he belonged. Um, they, the exciting thing with him is uh, the bat speed that he generates for how <laughs> small he is is yeah. insane. Uh, you can see it in his sort of atypical swing. In person, um, it's crazy. It, it is crazy. Yeah. It's just a blur. Um, he gets some. Um, He's gotten some Gary Sheffield comps just because of the sort of amount of waggle, but it, it's not that it's not that far off. Uh, he's got much more of an uppercut than Sheffield did, but uh, just on his 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 bat speed and his plate discipline are both, you know, the, it's it's MLB level. So um, I feel like it's you know he he showed enough to justify being in that utility group but it's going to be nice to see him as well working all over the field in Tacoma and uh really as as soon as I think the defense uh, is is up to snuff a little bit more at third base and hopefully in the corner outfield spots I mean we're going to see a lot of him and and he (laughs) he was electric to watch in in the way that you know you don't necessarily I, I wouldn't necessarily say my perception of like what kind of player he would could be changed um from just watching him in spring but it certainly uh made me much more excited to watch him just because you know whenever you see even if you've heard about a player especially when they're a new acquisition seeing it yourself on your team is is much more pleasant and much more exciting so uh that's someone that i'm looking forward to seeing a lot more of i think that um I would like to keep Shedlong out of the outfield and just have him work on third base because I saw him at third base and it was not great. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I would love for him to have those reps with Perry Hill. So like, mm-hmm. hopefully they have 
Perry Hill on some kind of like magic flying machine that can <laughs> go between Tacoma and <clears throat> I, honestly, I wouldn't be mad about Perry Hill just spending most of his time in Tacoma with J.P. Crawford and Shed Long and working with those guys. I think it's great to have D around too as a mentor. Um, those guys all seemed really close. Um, I don't know that I want to distract Shed Long by trying to make him also play outfield when I'm also trying to make him be a third baseman. Um, but that's just me. And Shed doesn't seem to love the outfield. Um, and I don't blame him. And honestly, we have so many outfield It's prospects. dark out like, there. <laughs> it is. Like, why, why, you know, he's so short, like... You're so used to an outfielder being of a certain size. Like, there's no way Shed Long is going to rob any home runs. Like, the man is three inches shorter than I am. Like, he might have some serious hops, but, like, I just don't think it's the best use of his skills. And I know we all love super utilities, but I think Shed's bat is going to be good enough to play in the infield, and they should just stop distracting him. Yeah, I just want to say before we go any farther, this is a body positive podcast. We don't have any sort of ill no, feelings no. towards the short, towards the non outfielder profiles. Like, do you inhabit your body in any way possible? But yes, I agree. Shed Long should probably not be playing the outfield just because, like you said, I don't want to put that much on his plate. Not because I don't think that his his shortness is up to the task. I think he can do right anything and everything he puts his mind to. You're right. We are we are a big uh Isaiah Thomas pro. We're pro I- Isaiah Thomas here. Yes, we love Isaiah Thomas. We love He, he may Goudreau. be even more Nate Robinson if we're being completely honest. I think yeah, Nate Robinson means more to me for sure because I think he had the personality of a short guy that I loved where he's like, I am going to murder you through, <laughs> through this dunk. Like if Isaiah Thomas could dunk like Nate Robinson, then I would be more on board. Not that I don't like Isaiah Thomas, but they're like, I'm going to take out my frustration by dunking on your center. That endeared me to Nate Robinson forever. Okay. Well, we'll have to get, I mean, I saw them playing on the basketball hoop sometimes, but like, they have that very carefully shielded from public eye, so I was That's never smart. really able to get any good stuff. Um, um, Kate, oh, I have another ahead. sort of body-related yes. question. Yes, do it. I mean, I know we've mentioned um, several times the hand size of one Noel V. Marte. Yes, and enormous. We have, we have a question from Jonah on Twitter, at JonahWeese1523. Simply any word on Noel V. Marte and... Kirikuto, another guy that I know, Kate, you've been monitoring probably much closer than I have. For yes. Sure. Okay. So uh, Marte is back in the Dominican Republic. He is going to be in the DSL this season. So he's kind of on the same path as Julio, where he's a very highly rated draft pick, or not draft pick, uh, signing, international signing. He is. In the Dominican Republic because his English is not great. And I have met Noel V and, like, Julio kind of translated between us. Um, just, like, Noel V is, is basically where Julio was when Julio signed. So he's had kind of a little bit of time, a few months, to kind of acclimate. He's going to spend a year this year in the Dominican Republic, in the academy, 
learning leadership skills, learning English, um, refining his skills at his position, learning baseball. Um, so he'll do that. He's not going to be stateside until probably. And, and again, I'm guessing that they're going to put him through the same thing that Julio went through where he will come to the high performance camp and he'll kind of be around the facility and then he'll do spring training and then he'll be assigned from there. Um, I talked to Julio about that a little bit. I asked him because it's, it's kind of uncommon for major prospects who are international signings to spend a full year at the Dominican after they've signed. Um, you know, Juan Soto didn't do it. Acuna didn't do it. Uh, who are the other ones I'm forgetting? Robles did because the nationals have been really slow with him. Guerrero didn't do it. All of them went stateside. Like Eloy Jimenez didn't do it. Yes. All of uh, them have Louis been. Robert, I don't believe did. No. And, and I mean, and the reason for that is that, and this is going to sound homerish, and it's not. This is a fact. Uh, the Mariners Dominican Academy is head and shoulders above almost any other, not just in its physical plant, like in the way that it looks and the facilities that they have, but also in the the cultural assimilation or the education that they grant to them, the classes that they have, just the focus on developing the person and not just the player. Um, Julio had some not great things to say about the Rangers Academy. He was like, oh. So he doesn't regret his time at all being spent at the Mariners Dominican Academy. He thinks that it made him a better person and a better player. He doesn't think that necessarily would have been the case if he had been in another system's um, Dominican Academy. So... It's a little bit hard because they're probably not competing against the highest talent level um, just because other teams are sending their their gems, their, their prize prospects. They're sending them stateside as soon as they can. But I think it's really cool that the Mariners are trying to build kind of their own internal system that is like really head and shoulders above anything else that's in the Dominican. So... That's where Noelvi Marte will be. Juan Caracuto should have been, unfortunately, in Arizona and, and being able to participate in spring training games, but he has a torn meniscus, I think it is, in his knee, um, and had to have surgery and is kind of walking around the complex with a big brace on his knee. I talked to him a little in my extremely terrible Spanish um, and told him that you know, we're all watching him and we're excited for him to come up and that uh, Venezuelans especially are very strong people. And he said, thank you. And uh, did not roll his eyes very much at my very bad Spanish. So I that was very <laughs> nice of him. That's a positive sign. Lookout Landing is transcending borders. Is yes, yes, of course. Absolutely. Great. Uh, we have some other ones, Kate, if you want to just yes, kind of do absolutely. two quick hitters. Let's just bomb, bomb through them. Okay. Jason at JMoneySignan. Uh, how did Keenan McGovern look? That's all their question uh, says. Very Ke simple. Keegan McGovern looked pretty good. Um, he has super low hands. Um, I think they're even lower than they were at Georgia. He really sets up. It's uh, You saw this in Clinton a little bit. Like His stance is just like he 
almost looks like he's waiting in line for a sandwich. Like, he's just kind of standing there, and (laughs) his hands are, like, almost on his thighs. And then the pitch is thrown, and it's just, like, all of a sudden, the ball is, like, out of there. Uh, I saw him hit... uh, I don't think it was a home run. It it wasn't a home run, but it missed by, like, inches. Um, He's just able to access so much power... He looks really good. They were aggressive with him last year. I think he wound up in high A. I'm guessing he starts in high A. And probably my guess is that high out, high the double A outfield is a little crowded. You have Don Thompson Williams. You have Kyle Lewis. And who's the one I'm forgetting? Fraley? Fraley. Where's Fraley going? Fraley. Fraley. Yeah, so I think between Fraley and Kyle Lewis, whoever moves faster, whoever gets promoted, um, I don't think it's. I think it's very possible that McGovern takes their spot. I don't think he's definitely going to high A um, because there is a, a log jam, but and he's been playing with the high A kids, um, but I think that he's the first one to move up for sure. Dope. It's very I'm- polished. I'm realizing now. I want to apologize to Jason. Their Twitter handle is definitely meant to be J Money Sign E N, and I said Signin. Which yeah, is you did. Incorrect. I wasn't. Gonna, I wasn't gonna um, tease you about that. Twitter but. handles are hard to read just right away. It looks like just a weird like letter salad, but I figured it out. Looks like Signin. Yeah, J okay. Money Sign E N. Great question. Thank you very much. Okay, next. Um, uh, from another J. Oh, God. Jay Yensich. <laughs> uh, you seem to have some impressive video of Cody Mobley and his curve. You think this might be his year. He was my fave from the prep arms of that draft class, and yet, so far, not so hot. Kate, give us your exclusive Cody Mobley intel. Yes. So, Cody Mobley has been in the system for a little while. He's had some problems with his walk rate. Even though his, uh, and last year at Everett, this was his problem. Like, he struck out, he had a K-9 of, like, over 10, um, but he had a pretty high walk rate and a pretty high home run rate, which sometimes the Northwest League gets you like that. Um, He looked absolutely filthy in a game that I saw. He relieved Logan Gilbert? Yes, he relieved Logan Gilbert against the Texas Rangers a ball team I guess it was and he just I mean the batters didn't have an answer for him he was throwing fastball slider curve and primarily he says afterwards so um I very creepily kind of like tried to kind of insert myself into his conversation that he was having afterwards because he got off the field. It was great, honestly. He got off the field. He was, like, lit up like a firecracker. He was glowing. And everyone stopped him. Like, his teammates who were out there just... Because that's another cool thing about the backfields is, like, guys come out just to kind of watch other guys who are their friends in the system. So they're always just, like, random minor leaguers milling all over the place. So he came out to just universal acclaim everyone wanted to stop him everyone wanted to like tell him how good he looked how filthy he looked and he did look great and he came up to one of the coaches and the first thing he said was i want to i want to throw a bullpen like i want to get into a bullpen with the rap soto like i want i want the rap soto to tell me what i'm doing 
because uh, he's made some switch with his slider, I guess. He's throwing his slider slightly differently. And just that one tweak has given him a whole bunch in his arsenal where he can come after guys in a different way. And this was like the first time he's done it live. And he was so overjoyed about how it went. The coaches were overjoyed. His teammates were overjoyed. It was great. So definitely like keep an eye on him for a potential sleeper breakout this year. At, and and he could move fast just because he's been in the system for a while. He's been in professional baseball for a while. Like he knows all the little stuff like routine and arm care and things. So if he can make that adjustment, he could be a fast riser. That's great. I mean, the the widespread acclaim thing sounds like... Oh, uh, it was I, just... I was so... I didn't... I had never known... I, I only knew him as a name before this. And just to see a guy come off and, like, know he had done well and to see everybody come up and congratulate and just, like, the pure beam of happiness, it was so great. It was life-affirming. Yeah, that sounds like me when I was a, a Domino's driver and I delivered... <laughs> <laughs> to an elementary school class. You know I love your Domino's stories. It was exactly like this. I delivered to an elementary school class, and they went nuts. They were so happy to see me. Oh and then obviously that affirmed my whole decision to work there, which I was extremely second, third, and fourth guessing. <laughs> but once I saw those kids' faces, I knew I'd made the right choice. Ah, uh, I mean... Pizza people bring us joy. So, exactly. and Matthew, you are a joy bringer. Thank you. I'm the Cody Mobley of <laughs> ex pizza drivers. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Always said that. <laughs> yeah. My new Twitter bio, perhaps. <laughs> okay. Um, you one should more... talk to Jordan, our Mormon pizza man, about oh, yeah. who we delivered to. We probably have some similar experiences. <laughs> Um, okay. I, there's one more like prospect specific one. Um, this one comes from Merle at Merle RK. Uh, their question is, was Logan Gilbert's velocity similar to what it was on the Cape before his draft year? Uh, yes. I mean, I don't actually know what his velocity was on the Cape, but it was, I assume that it was high and I saw him, it was interesting. He he pitched Logan Gilbert pitched his first professional inning in a major league spring training game against Cleveland's big league hitters and like it didn't go awesomely, but like there were so many positive signs in there that got I got a strikeout and then things went a little haywire. He had a strikeout and then what it was is he couldn't um he couldn't command his curveball really. And so Gilbert is a fastball, slider, curveball mix. And all of his pitches, I talked to Jake Anchia a little bit, who's a, a catcher that we drafted this year out of Nova Southeastern. And Anchia is, I think Anchia is the best defensive catcher in the system. He is really good. He reminds me of Zanino in the way that he like talks to, interacts with, and just like, I think the best catchers are almost pitchers themselves in the way that they understand pitching. Um, so Anchia was giving Freude Bautista, who is a pretty good catcher in his own right, um, a little bit of a scouting report on Gilbert and on how to catch his bullpen. And he was basically just like, just be ready. Everything moves. 
everything all of the pitches <laughs> move and that's true like i think gilbert is one of those things where when he's off it's going to look really bad because his pitches have so much movement on them that they're going to look like they're missing by a lot more than they actually are if that makes sense yeah um but once he like locks that in and again this is a dude who pitched very heavily for college took his entire first pro season if you want to call it that off and is really just getting back now to throwing competitively um yeah he was he was up to i believe 97 uh, at cape cod i think he was uh, okay. the reports we, i saw he's was not he was he's not throwing up to 95 here. no um, 95 is as high as he, he was. But he was down to, like, 89 to, like, 92 in, like, the end of... Or, like, not the end, but uh, yeah. sort of at points in his senior year. So I mean, the thing about Gilbert, too, is just, like, from a body standpoint, standpoint he's very tall. Very, very tall. Um, and he's slender. He doesn't have, like, a ton of meat on him. It's not, like... Chris Sale skinny, but it is, it's, it's along those lines of like very tall, very slender, not a huge guy. Um, so I see how like getting worn down could diminish his velocity more. Um, and also I think that with a big league training program and with the ability to like learn a big league routine and have access to kind of top training and he's super smart is the other thing about him extremely smart dude extremely nice as well but he loves the advanced analytics he said he didn't have that at Stetson but he's really into checking in after every pitch he loves the idea that it can maximize his efficiency so he doesn't have to do like trial and error he's like well the numbers don't lie so he's totally bought in from that side of things and I think that that's going to help him become even more effective and move quickly. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm so oh, happy to hear all of I that. I have only, I, I mean, seriously, I have only really good things to say. Everyone I talked to was such a gem. Oh, man. It only, it's, I love that because it's like, oh, great, we have fun prospects, but then you realize that it's going to take years for them to actually, like, impact the Mariners, and you're like, oh, God, <laughs> like, I have to exercise extreme patience. It is going to be a lot of seasons. patience, but it's also going to be, like, a great build, too, because we're going to get to watch all these guys. Like, you don't have to worry about, like, well, when's he going to be traded anymore? Like, right. that's, that's not going to happen. Like, Julio is not going anywhere. Uh, Jared is not going anywhere. Like, even if the Mariners made the, like, we're making a push at things this year, I don't think that they would sell out in the short term. Like, let's say just everything breaks weirdly and the Mariners are, like, in position for a wild card. I genuinely don't think that they would s raffle off the possibility of for of a wild card for the long-term health of the organization in people like Gilbert, Julio, Jared, Cal Raleigh, like those guys aren't going anywhere. Yeah, this I is mean, I core. certainly would hope not. That would make me upset. Yes, absolutely. It would also, it would be stupid and it would be reactionary. And, um, you know, I, luckily I don't think that would, is something we have to worry about anyway, but just 
you know, it for all of you who want to at us at the account every time we tweet about a prospect being like, when are they going to be traded? Like, I'm really excited to look for those uh, jokes dying off. Yeah. The Mariners are going to be like the fun side quest for the for this season like the Mariners are obviously the main quest but having that other thing on the side to monitor is going to be much needed I think especially if everything breaks badly like the opposite of what you just said yes um can are you gonna ask De Holy Grail's question oh, I would love to yes, yes. please thank you for, if, for if nudging we're just me in gonna... that direction okay no, I'll 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 tee it up for you. Day Holy Grail at Day Holy Grail wants to know: Is Julio Rodriguez our savior? Also, what is his major league comparison at the moment? They posit it might be Aaron Judge. I don't know about that, but is Julio Rodriguez our savior? The main part of the question here. I mean, it seems like a simple answer from from Kate. I think <laughs> we all know Kate's feelings on. Julio, is he in fact our savior, Kate? What are your thoughts? Julio is incredibly special. And, like, I wasn't around, really, for the Brad Miller years or Dustin Ackley or any of the other people who are supposed to be our saviors. So, I mean, maybe I'm not the best person to ask about this, but I am old and I've met a lot of people. And I have never met anyone like Julio Rodriguez. He is really special. Like, he's so young, but he's so focused. And I've met focused people. Like, I've met people who have an incredible drive to succeed. They've often been lots older than Julio. But I have never met anyone who has this incredible drive, this vision for their lives... Um, this firm commitment to a goal. I've never met anyone like this who also has an incredibly huge and generous heart. And Julio does. Like, he's just, he's good people. Beyond, like, the talent, he really loves people. And he really, really wants to be part of the group that delivers a championship to a city that's never had one or a team that's never had one. Um, he's just, he's incredible. And so I guess I, I don't want to say, it, it sounds overblown to say savior, but I think he's going to be huge. Yeah, I'll say he reminds me of a young Matthew Robertson. I think is high <laughs> praise in this situation. We have a lot of similarities on paper. Sure, that's, sure. That's where it ends, though. In execution. Are you six four? I don't. Now, <laughs> what did we say about height? Yeah, Kate. It's height doesn't measure heart. Exactly. That's Strowman. That is my Strowman. My my friend and roommate in college, who did happen to be about five nine or so, uh, loved to yell. Actually, frequently, it's not the size of the dog in the fight it is the size of the fight in the dog um so i uh i will thank you to remember that but it uh, does help if the dog is six it four it would be great yeah more six four dogs <laughs> you can get the better for sure fantastic okay john well. do you want to weigh in on julio like yeah, John has spoken. Uh, or him. maybe his his major league <laughs> comparison at least cuz I've been thinking about this for I've been thinking about trying to figure out like who his 
major league comparison is because obviously he wants to swing like JJ Martinez and right. he loves he to, Fernando he Tatis. Influence, he wants to influence like A Rod. He wants to break baseball. Yep. Yeah. The power of content. exactly we're very alike in that way as the two of you are very alike in that way yeah me and Julio love content and the Lookout Landing podcast (laughs) exactly exactly Um, he I I will not put an Aaron Judge comparison on an 18 year old uh, just because that's a really a really tough thing to do um I will say I think that probably the J.D. Martinez comp is a pretty good one, though, uh, if you're looking at a, a play style and what you sort of would hope to dream for. See, I thought about that, but I think Julio is a better outfielder. I think Julio is a better outfielder uh, The arm is now? legit. No, but the arm is legit. It is such a... Yeah. And that is no, something it's, it's, that I don't think that we knew about, but I saw him make... I saw him nail runners at second. I saw uh, him make pinpoint throws to home. Like, the arm is plus plus. Yeah. I think that J.D. Martinez had... Uh, a bit of a, I mean, we we never like we were introduced to JD Martinez already when he was twenty four or so, twenty five. Like that was when he first broke in with the Astros, you know. So he was already not necessarily at his peak athleticism, and I, I suspect that we see um, much like you'll see, even if even though Julio is you know athletic and and has a really strong arm, I think you will see Julio get stronger. Um, at a maybe somewhat of a sacrifice of his s- speed, uh, not not that he'll be a liability, just that you know if you're going to lean into one thing. Yeah, I uh, do wonder about that because he is, and I cannot emphasize this enough. <laughs> enormous. Yeah, he's a big lad. Enormous. He there's a vi- there's a very funny photo of him. I think we maybe mentioned this before, but him and Nelson Cruz, where Nelson Cruz looks small. Yes, Nelson Cruz <laughs> should not look small <laughs> next to anyone. Yeah, um, but I, yeah, I think that I mm, I'm trying to think of other sort of players of that build, um, and I, I mean there aren't that many. It, it, it's I mean, he's bigger than a lot of. Uh, maybe you could you could look and see perhaps uh, a George Springer type. He's not quite as fast as Springer, but he's, he's not as fast. He's not as uh, slender as Springer. Well, now right now he is, <laughs> but I think he will. You know, because Springer's what like two fifteen or something like that. Uh, Julio's uh, two twenty. Yeah, so I, I, it's there's not a there's not a direct comp in that way. I think that the, the nice thing for him is that he he is you, you're not going to get much more confident in an 18 year old. Uh, you're not going to have much more reason to be more confident in an 18 year old yeah. than than you sh- should feel in Julio Rodriguez, I guess. And um, I mean, the player the nice that I keep coming back to, and maybe this is lazy, is Acuna. Like, I I feel like as far as 
what we wanted Acuna to be, he was. And I feel like Julio was the same thing. Like, <laughs> Acuna had all the hype. He was mm-hmm. supposed to be, like, this multi-tool, super fun player to watch. Mm-hmm. And he was that. And maybe a little younger than Julio. Again, he was on that, like, didn't have to spend the year in the Dominican. So... Right. I don't think it would be surprising to see Julio outstrip him even because he's going to be doing the things that Cunha did at a little bit of a of a more advanced age. Well, and I mean, he's going to jump, essentially. You know, Acuna spent the whole his whole first year stateside, but it was, you know, he then spent his second year starting at the same level in, mm-hmm. uh, or, well, no, I don't know that he started there, but um, I mean, they're going to essentially start in the same place their second year, right? They're going right. to both be in, have started in low A for their second full year. Um, and I think this will be a good shot at seeing where this development happens. You know, Acuna is a little bit more of a true center fielder, not yes. you know, a smaller player. But um, yeah, I mean, th- th- if you if you look at sort of the power power righties you know that's there's a lot to be excited about for how he how he puts the butt on the ball um i i think even in like just the singles he's hitting when he hits the Mm -hmm. ball on the ground he hits it so hard (laughs) even major league infielders can't Mm -hmm. quite handle it like his exit velocity has got to be crazy yeah um, it's, I, I think he will be, it's not going to be enough for him to just emerge. Um, and I think that we've been burned before. We've been, you know, people like to point out various players. You mentioned Ackley and Miller and, um, I know we, a lot of folks have mentioned like Carlos Trienfeld who was always very exciting, but also never really produced. And <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I think every level of the organization, even if there's plenty that they are not doing the ways that we would want them to be doing, or, or you may take issue with, they're leaps and bounds ahead of where they were a decade ago, essentially, when they last tried to do this. And it's exciting. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch guys growing up together again. Yes. And I, I think that Julio and Kelnick are going to be going to have a, as good a shot as any Mariners players in the past 15 years of panning out, basically. Yes. Since Felix. <laughs> yeah, well, while we wait for them, we have some very early morning baseball to look forward to this week, and we are yeah. very happy to recreate the magic of those games through the power of writing and content content yeah do we want to end with do any of you have crazy predictions or hot takes about the japan series will any of you declare a sweep are you feeling confident in the mariners no no (laughs) no. what about in yusei kikuchi what do you what do you think his first start looks like oh man that is something that i don't um 
Here's what's concerning to me about Kikuchi. I think that there's a good chance that he doesn't look awesome because I think he is so accustomed to putting the ball in the strike zone. And I think that's great. Um, I love a pitcher who throws strikes, but he was getting, after kind of the initial um, um novelty wore off of like oh my gosh what is this guy he hold, he hides the ball so much like uh it seemed like hitters were kind of catching on in his later spring training starts and um i think that there's going to be and jake mailhot probably disagrees with me on this but i think there's going to be a rough adjustment period for kikuchi where he gets used to the ball and he gets used to throwing to a totally different kind of hitter. Um, so I, I don't I don't have a great sense of how things are going to go ahead. I feel like it's going to be not good, but we will look for the joy. Like D. Gordon <laughs> hitting a home run and skipping out of the skipping box. Out of, yes. And also like doing like a Euro step at third base. Yes, he also did that. He also like did his little glee thing. And he also was caught on an on-field, Mike. I see that John has not checked the Lookout Landing Twitter in days. Because uh, I, I tweeted all of these things. I know you do. But he also, I don't like, know that our listeners have. Off. Yes. Check the Lookout Landing Twitter. We always have you. Um, but he, he ran off the field saying, he just did that! Which uh, was pretty badass. Because I'm pretty sure he said he, which means he's talking about himself in the third person. Uh, that's a power move. So, that just honestly, move. that made the whole Tokyo series worth it to me. It was mm-hmm. just seeing D. Gordon, who I love more than I love my own mother. Sorry, mom. Wow. Uh, <laughs> There's your Japan series. Hot <laughs> that is Look, an incredible take. My uh, mom knows D. Gordon. She understands. Okay, like Kate. I'm not trying to like shit on this take. Have you ever <laughs> met D. Gordon? <laughs> No, but I've heard enough about him through many sources that, like, D. Gordon is, look, D. Gordon is an, my mother is an angel. My mother is a saint. D. Gordon is. Saint Brucer. Yes. Yeah. D. Gordon is also a saint who walks among us. So I guess I should say I love him as much as I love my own mother. Fantastic. Uh, I will put the hot take out there that. The Mariners uh, will, in fact, sweep. Sweep. Uh, what? No, you're great. What? Who, all right, st- I, you stop what you're it's doing. It's only two tell, games. Tell me, tell me who the athletics, the athletics are starting these two games. Ooh, we're getting who Mike Fires. I think um, that is the um, opening day pitcher for the A's. Is Mike Fires? Rice. Yes. Pomeroy. That's not a not idea. a pitcher. <laughs> Uh, Absolutely not. Wait, I think I can do this. Actually, I was just looking at their Jackson roster. Jackson Felicidades. <laughs> My you guy Jack. A... Congratulations. Jack. <laughs> no, is it uh, a Harry it... Rock and Roll? <laughs> Serious a... question: Is it Chris yeah. Bassett? Chris Bassett is their five starter, probably, Damn. approximately. That seems right. Oh wait, you were actually trying to answer. I, <laughs> I'm curious. I'm trying to figure it out through a series of guesses. I knew Fires is their number one. They have like another veteran who's bad. I feel like who they just signed. Uh, they have two veterans who is are bad. Lusar, are they just not starting Lusar? Like 
Do they not? Most likely no. Wow, and they have okay. three other starting pitchers. Oh, I cheated. I know out. the answer now. Is it Marco Estrada? It is Marco Estrada, who had a 5.6 ERA and a 5.4 FIP last year in 143 innings. Hell I mean, yeah, baby. Our pitching is also not. I mean, Kikuchi and Marco are (laughs) significantly better than all of the A's pitchers. (laughs) Okay, uh, but Matt Chapman versus Ryan Healy. Certainly. I'm just saying. Every game is won by your third baseman. Lofton said this. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan Healy, third baseman. Just, like, take a second to let that wash over you. I will not. Playing on turf. (laughs) On turf. Where the ball is so fast. The ball's slow. It, it, oh, look who doesn't no, read. No, turf speeds things up. That's why Malik's such a The slowest surface they've ever played on. Seattle Times mm. this morning. Mm. Uh, the, the new turf in the Tokyo Dome. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Hey, do you have any rebuttal to science and the Seattle Times sparkling reporting? I'm going to do some Googling here because that doesn't seem to fit with anything that we've talked about before. I mean, turf generally, yes, but the header of the most recent article from Divish is the slow, quote, the slowest surface I've ever seen. Tokyo Dome turf, yet another adjustment for Mariners in Japan. (laughs) Things are pointing upwards. I love this. All right, I'll end with an even hotter take. Uh, A's outfielder Mark Canna gets banned from Japan for blasting Bob Dylan way too loud and scaring <laughs> people away. <laughs> they don't let him back in the country ever again. I would love for them to like just stick Mark Canna into one of those vending machines and just like have him be hanging out on a subway platform for like half of the season. Yeah, I'd be into that. For anyone who maybe doesn't know what I'm talking about, which I'm sure is most of you, um, Mark Canna is that guy on the A's with the sideburns and, like, the turtleneck that he wears no matter what the weather is. And last year we realized that his walk-up song was Like a Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan, an incredibly pretentious choice. Not a good walk-up song. No, also, yeah, not a hype song. Not even the best Dylan song. I mean, if you're going to go Bob Dylan... What would you rather, like, if for in the context of baseball, what do you think would work better? Hurricane, maybe? No, no Bob Dylan song works with, like, let's get pumped walk-up song. Hurricane yeah. would be kind of cool as a walk-up song. Hurricane. Right. Like, I could get into that. That's a, I didn't know you had a Bob Dylan impression, Kate, too. I got hella impressions <laughs> on deck. I got a bunch. <laughs> That could be the new podcast. Yes. It's just me. We end everyone with me doing an impression. You doing an impression of someone. Um, It's a strong impression. It's still, like, I I do not... If you do think that there is a Bob Dylan impression that... uh, Or a Bob Dylan song that is an appropriate walk-up song, like, please drop it in the comments on this article because I just... I, I don't see it. I don't see it. Yeah, and also for those of you who are staying up to watch the game, please monitor the A's walk-up songs with me because I'm curious if they'll have their normal walk-up songs or if it'll be like specific to this series, which would also be cool. Yeah, so. I doubt everyone out there is like all the fans are writing new songs for everyone. So 
No, I didn't mean. No, I didn't mean they were gonna write them new songs. I'm no, just I mean the fans. The fans, because the fans sing oh, the songs when they. Oh, walk the fans up. in the stadium. I see what Sheesh. you're saying. I thought you meant our fans were supposed to write a song. <laughs> I mean, you know, I wouldn't stop them. No, yeah. If you want to do that too, fucking absolutely send that our way. Yes, please do. All right. Thank you for sticking with us in this. <laughs> wild podcast very wide ranging uh as far as topics go hey real baseball which to me doesn't mean the japan series sorry uh baseball is ahead we are i guess kicking it off this week um so we'll be here every week or so talking to you about it Thank you so much for listening, and uh, send us your questions, and we'll talk to you next time. Uh, bye. Here comes the story of Hurricane.